Hey guys, it's Tony. I'm here to talk to you about Awaken Conference. Now, Awaken is a young adult gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina from January 31st to February 2nd, 2020. And it's meant to help you recharge your spiritual life and connect with a community that you can grow your faith alongside. Now, this year's presenters include a killer lineup with Caleb Isley of Humans of Adventism and, of course, a friend of the podcast. He's been on a few episodes. Kim Cove, a licensed counselor, and Randy Ban, the creative producer at Nike World Headquarters. The keynotes will be brought by Ben Lundquist of the Rise and Lead podcast, uh, a good friend of mine and an amazing speaker. Trust me, guys, you will not want to miss out. And Absurdity will be there. So me and Becker, uh, you get, get to see us if you come out. Uh, would love to come and talk to you. We absolutely think that this is something you're going to want to come and see. Speaking of, if you enter the code Absurdity at awakennc.com, that's Absurdity, A-B-S-U-R-D-I-T-Y, at awakennc.com, you're going to get a 10% discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology. Hey guys, welcome to Absurdity. I'm really excited this week because I have two really awesome guests that thanks to the power of the internet and the 21st century, I have been connected with all the way across, well, all the way across the world, I guess would be back where I am. So halfway across the world in New Zealand. So thank you, Josh and Jesse, for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having us. Yo! <laughs> no, it's good I'm to be here. I'm so excited for you guys. So, okay, so tell me, tell us about yourselves. Tell us, you know, I don't even know who to start with. So one of you go, then the other, I don't care. But tell us about yourselves. Where, where are you? What do you do? That kind of thing. I'm the oldest, so I'll start first. Jesse, <laughs> the, the wisdom in my hair. Um, yep. Uh, my name is Josh. I'm from originally from Melbourne, Australia, and now living in Palmerston North, New Zealand, pastoring two churches here, one in Palmerston North, one in Masterton, neither of which I'd heard of before I'd moved here. Yeah. And uh, I'm Jesse. I am originally also from Australia. I grew up, well, I grew up in a lot of places. I moved around a lot as a kid, but um, the main place where my parents now live is a tiny little uh, town called Robertson in uh, New South Wales, which is about an hour and a half south of Sydney. Uh, I'm also in uh, Palmerston North here, pastoring a church called Mosaic Community Church, and I also uh, am a chaplain for a primary school and a preschool on the side. So plenty to keep me busy. Mm. So just so you know, there's this kind of new mega church coming up, up and coming called Mosaic, and I think it's in California. So <laughs> up have and coming. fun getting confused with them. Yeah, up and coming, even though it's already kind of big at the moment. They've already like released a worship album and everything. They're they're touring with Hillsong. Yeah. They're doing all the good stuff. Yeah, it's, they're, they're out there. It's so weird because like, yeah, we we are obviously super aware. Like I'm, I'm Josh and I are a big fan of Owen McManus. I think Josh introduced me to Mosaic originally. But when I came here, mm. there's actually another multi-site church in New Zealand called Mosaic. And when 
Mosaic first started here in Palmerston North, a lot of people apparently were really excited because they were like, oh, is Mosaic opening up in, in Palmy? Oh, no. And everybody's <laughs> like, uh, yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, oh, man, that's but rough. That's okay. Yeah, that's like me being an Elevation Shadow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And you call your church Elevation Seventh-day Adventist Church. That would be... Yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) Missed opportunity. Love it. So just so listeners know, we're doing a double header where I just recorded an episode for their podcast, and and now we're recording... I almost said you guys just recorded one for mine, but that's what we're doing (laughs) right now. It's happening this second. So um, you guys host a podcast. so So talk to me about your podcast, What's It Called?, and explain that name and try to explain it before everyone stops listening to you because of what it's called. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I demand at least a minute before you get out your pitchforks. <laughs> uh, so we have a podcast called Burn the Haystack, and um, it's basically a little play on words because there's an expression that what's the fastest way to find a needle in a haystack? You burn the haystack. Um, but also Adventists love their haystacks, and pretty much... Our mission is to burn all the stuff that's gotten in the way um, of what we think could be the, the truest and best form of, of Adventism. And something like, you know, there's that thing where we go to a, a lunch and everybody's like, what are we having? We're having haystacks. Well, what happens if haystacks can't be on the menu? What do we have? What if you burn the haystack? Then what do we have instead? Then all of a sudden we have to reinvent, we have to rethink. Um, so we are all about looking at our... Uh, our culture and our spiritual practices and we um, redeem the best and burn the rest. Yeah. We believe that, you know, beneath the surface of all the extraneous stuff in Adventism, there is just a real pure form. And it's the same as, you know, when you polish up a diamond or you're polishing anything, you have to get past all the dirt and the muck and um, all all the extraneous stuff. And beneath all the stuff, all the traditions all the cultures, there is a pure, pure, beautiful form of Adventism, which is really, I think, timely for the world. And we, we both think that. And so our, yeah, Burn the Haystack is about trying to get down to that, to boil down what is the true essence of Adventism and, and why should people care? But we both do Ooh. still eat haystacks, okay? Yes, that is We're true. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We just grill them first. (laughs) Okay, so so for my non-Adventist listeners, just so they know, a haystack is basically a taco salad, but I get burned at the haystack for for saying it's a taco salad, so it's not a taco salad. (laughs) But it's not, wink, wink, a taco salad, wink, wink. It's a a Schrodinger's taco salad. That's right. It both is and isn't one. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's chips on the bottom and you know what, you know what? No, I'm not going to go into the layers because everyone does it in a different order and everyone argues about what it is. All right. So it's just a big cultural identifier of Adventists and Adventist potlucks. So that's what it is. So, all right. So burn the haystack. How many episodes do you guys have? Uh, at the time of this recording, we have released, uh, episode, I'm pulling open my podcatching app. 27, I believe. Uh, Hey. Yeah, we might be up to 27 or 28. So we're, we're just approaching 30. So we only just started this year. So as far as podcasting goes, we are pretty fresh. Um, I heard you talk on your podcast recently and something that I've heard as well, which is you don't really know what you're doing with podcasting until you hit 100. So we are a long way to go, but we're loving the ride so far. Yeah, we know about 25%. Yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. Mm. Yeah, we <laughs> We know 25% of what there is to know about podcasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. 
no, it's really cool to see other people um, kind of get onto the scene with podcasting. And, you know, when I started Absurdity two years ago, there was like no other advanced podcast. There were a few and they weren't really active. And um, so it, it's really cool to kind of see that growing. I have another friend that just started one recently up in Michigan. So Ooh. it kind of and, and, and it's even it, to me, you guys found me before I found you. Um, sorry. <laughs> so I, um, no, but I really appreciate you guys reaching out. I think it's awesome to be connected to you guys all the way across the world and, 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 and to be able to talk about ministry. And it's interesting to me because absurdity really talks about things that are not often talked about. And I think one of those things in American Adventism and in, in, in American Christianity, um, is this this idea of ethnocentrism, right? So, so Western Christianity and really every every kind of culture of Christianity looks um, looks at other countries through the lens of its own country, and America is especially guilty of this because I mean we're the greatest country ever, yay! <laughs> like it's it's one of those things where um, we look through the lens, we look through other countries and other cultures through our lens and we think everyone should be like us. And that's created significant problems on the world church stage. And, and so ethnocentrism has been a theme on this podcast before, but now I get to talk about it with two people who literally live in another country. And while there might be someone who listens to this and thinks like, oh, well, you know, Australia, New Zealand, and America, they're not that different. You know, they're still modernized countries and, well, I kind of want to jump into that and find out, like, what is different ministry-wise, culture-wise, um, between kind of American Adventism and and news. I don't even what what is. It? I don't want to say like Aussie Adventism or Australian Adventism, but like what what is it? New Zealander Kiwi. Adventism Kiwi. Kiwi. Thank you. South Pacific. See, all right, so I'm coming. I'm coming from a place of total ignorance here. <laughs> um, so. Like, okay, let's, let me just start with this, right? So um, in America, you've got this big social justice kick right now. Um, and I don't, once again, I don't know how much our news kind of spreads out to the whole world, but, you know, what do you guys, how do you guys filter through all of the, the social justice stuff that's happening around the world, whether it's LGBTQ, whether it's, you know, racial, um, racial stuff, systemic racism, any of that stuff, like, is that a part of your daily conversation there? Is it something completely foreign and like, that's America's problem? What? what's the culture there? One thing I see happening, especially in Australia and New Zealand, is that a lot of what happens in America tends to trickle down to our context gradually. And sometimes it takes uh, a lot of time. Sometimes it takes not too much time at all. Um, in Australia, Australia is interesting. I, I'll speak for Australia first. Um, Australia is by and large a non-religious country. Um, you know, a lot of our obviously early founders um, came from a Judeo Christian background because, you know, when Australia was founded in the 19th um, and early 20th century uh, centenary, Christianity was just something that everybody had. Everybody was a Christian. If you were a Westerner, you were a Christian. But in the years coming um, along, Australia has shifted to being more and more um, progressive liberal, and I would say non-religiously affiliated. And it comes out, I think, differently in different states. One of the things that Australians um, have, which is uh, our state separation. So you, what, what might be true in Queensland might not be true in New South Wales. What might be true in Western Australia might not be true in Victoria. 
Queensland particularly has been a place where a lot of schools and universities have made a push towards uh, gender inclusivity, um, towards abolishing religion, towards um, becoming more progressive and liberal in the way that we treat LGBTQ plus um, communities. Uh, recently, the, um, the Australian government uh, held a vote as to whether um, to legalise um, gay marriage. Um, and it, it went through quite uh, well. It was I can't remember the exact statistics, but it was it was quite overwhelming. Um, so that's something that has been happening here. It has been happening in Australia recently. New Zealand has had gay marriage legalized for quite a number of years now. Um, I believe it's been five or six years since gay marriage has been legal here, and that was obviously met with quite a bit of debate on this side of the fence from Christians and such forth. Um, there have been a few Christian leaders here in New Zealand who have copped quite a bit of flack for presenting a quote-unquote traditional viewpoint of marriage. Um, there's one particular, um, New Zealand, probably one of the only, you could say, mega churches here in New Zealand, Destiny Church, um, by um, headed up by Bishop Brian Tamaki, who got in a bit of hot water, I believe it was last year, um, for saying that the Christchurch earthquakes, which... Going back, what is it, four, four years now? Oh, yeah, I'm not sure. It's a while, while back. A while back, a couple of years back, um, were the result of New Zealand's relaxation of its moral standard, its moral culture. Yeah. Hmm. So, and the earthquake in Christchurch, by the way, that was huge. Like, Christchurch is still rebuilding from it. It's still a complete mess. Yeah. You know, you know what's crazy to me? That's the first I'm hearing of it. Yeah. If you want to talk about American ethnocentrism, America doesn't hear about world news, but world but the world hears about America's oh, news. Yeah. Like that's like it's it's kind of ridiculous that this is the, like this is it's probably maybe it is common knowledge among Americans, but I just I this is the first I've ever heard of this. Right? Oh well, yeah. That, that's all over. However, the God's the God's judgment preaching thing, <laughs> like that's that's standard. Yeah. That's, yeah. Christianity. <laughs> that, that's, that's standard. That's good. Yeah. It's interesting, as you mentioned, you know, the rest of the world hearing about America's news because you always know when a, new, a slow news day is in here in, in New Zealand because if nothing's happening in New Zealand, and New Zealand's a small country, you know, compared to the rest of the world, there's not a lot going on here um, by comparison. You'll first hear of Australian news, and then if there's nothing happening in Australia that's noteworthy, you'll hear all the American stuff. Yeah, what's Trump said? Let's, yeah. Something random he said lately, like, oh, and that's I think kind of interesting. Oh, most of us probably hear American news anyway, but you can always tell when there's, a, there's nothing happening here in New Zealand, whereas I'm sure that is never a case in, in America. There's always something happening to talk about. Yeah. Well, yeah, see, I know nothing about New Zealand, like, other than Zorbing is really a cool thing there and bungee jumping is a really cool thing there. Like I know nothing of New Zealand um, is- and there's an entire subreddit dedicated to maps without New yes. Zealand, yes. like, so like all the times that, that it's left off of, off of maps. So it's, it's just to me, like, and if anyone tries to type that in, it's, it's reddit.com slash R slash maps without NZ. So there you it's- go. Enjoy that lovely. And that's it's fairly active. Like there's always new maps without New Zealand it's on them, which pretty, I think is hilarious. Pretty depressing. And as well, even I was talking to somebody recently who's been to a number of like gigs or like big concerts, like big names that come over from all around the world and they'll come to Auckland, to Wellington. Um and the amount of times they'll say, We're so happy to be here in Auckland, Australia. 
And for a Kiwi, like, because like New Zealand has this sort of like little brother syndrome to Australia. For them, yeah. that is so heartbreaking. Can- Canada, America, sort of. Sim- yeah, probably a similar sort of vibe. Yeah, no, that would. I mean, it, it would kind of be like. I'm in South Carolina. It'd be like a like a someone coming to Charlotte, North Carolina, and saying, "I'm so glad to be in uh, in uh, Charlotte, South Carolina." And you're like, "No, that's that's not." Yeah. <laughs> That's that's not where we are. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's you are you are incorrect. <laughs> Get off the stage. So that's um, okay. So there. Let me ask you this then: What is the kind of perception? Maybe even just your own perception. I don't. You're not necessarily your country's spokespersons, oh, but please. you can be if you want. <laughs> uh, apparently, the the new hip thing is to just claim. <laughs> um, so. What I mean, what is your kind of perception of Adventism in America and what it's like to be an Adventist or what, you know, what is it the same? Do you just think nothing of us? Um, when I think, yeah. okay, this is just my opinion. Yeah. yeah, just sharing yeah what do you opinion. think? Yeah. What do you, yeah. What do you, what do you think of, what do you think of us? When I think of Adventism in America, there are two pictures that come to mind. The, the first is the Adventism that is trying to copy the mega churches, like trying to compete with your, um, Stephen Fursick's and Andy Stanley's and Craig Rochelle's. That's that's one. That's a minority, though. I think um, the other picture, the more the more impactful picture, is GC. Um, what we see during session time, what we see during the America that I see on Hope Sabbath School. You know that that sort of America, mm. the suit and tie, the nice, clean, polished. PR Adventism, the um, the this is where Adventism started, sort of Adventism, which is all about historical reclamation, which is all about preservation of our cultural heritage. Yep. The Adventism that is not so concerned with, and this again, this is just a perception about um, reaching the world for Jesus, but is perhaps a little bit more um, concerned with maintaining its image or um, trying to maintain its relevancy to the world stage because it feels like it has to be the leader. It has to be the big brother and everybody else has to listen to it. That's, mm. that's my perception of Adventism. And again, it's, it's, my, it's my perception. Mm. Um, no, I, yeah. I, can, I can definitely see that. Like I... I don't disagree with you. Um, what I find interesting here is that the closer you get to the cities, the more you're starting to see the, the kind of uh, more contemporary style, and the more rural you get, the more you start to see the more conservative traditional style. And that's not true across the board, but it's kind of like you can just kind of expect that. Um, I think you can go to wherever you, you can go. more or less expect that in Australia and New Zealand as well. I, th- I think yeah. that trend definitely persists here. Yeah. Um, do you have any? What What do you think, Josh? I, I don't know. You yeah. kind of You kind of like a little bit hesitant there. Oh no! I'm, it's like it's because I'm putting you on blast, and most of my listeners are American. <laughs> you no. guys suck. He's gonna get a bunch of hate. <laughs> yeah. <now. laughs> well, hey, any mail is good mail, right? <laughs> um, That's no, right. I. It sounds. I feel rude, kind of saying it, but I, American Adventism does does not come up on my radar very much. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's never. I've never sat here and thought, what do I think of American Adventism? It's like, I'll just hear a little thing every now and then about something that's happened in the church in America. I'm like, huh, there you go. I know there is one well, thing I mean, that comes up. Um, okay. 
And that's, um, I keep hearing that it's really common in America to go out for like a big lunch on Sabbath and then pay for it by credit card. And it's okay because it's by credit card and it comes out on Tuesday or something. Apparently that's really common. I don't, I've never, like that does not happen in Australia or New Zealand. No, 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 You'd no. like, so. You get, you get caught at the supermarket or a restaurant on Sabbath, you'd be crucified. Yeah. Is it true? You know, know, that's. So this this is the first time I'm hearing of that. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> the the maybe it's true somewhere. No, I mean any credit purchases now are pretty much instant. But what I do see the trend is that we prepay, ah. pay on Friday for the services you're going to get on Saturday. Oh. That's what I, I see that with Adventist catering, Adventist events catering, lunches. I see that with actual church members and, and pastors. However, going out to eat on Sabbath is pretty regular actually. Um, you know, if you are in a city where you've got a fairly large church, happens mainly with larger churches, just drive by Olive Garden or like some other random restaurant and you'll probably see some Adventists that you were just sitting next to in church at a restaurant. Like that's kind of because the 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 kind of justification is the community on Sabbath apparently somehow supersedes the um, not buying or selling on Sabbath. So but it is culturally more normal here and uh Adventism is kind of more assimilated into American culture, and is a and there's a lot of patriotism in um, Adventism in America. So, like, I don't know if, if you guys have this. Do you guys have like New Zealand flags in your sanctuaries? No, 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 never. No. Yeah, see, we have American flags in a lot of sanctuaries, like just sitting up there on the on the on the stage wow. or on the platform. They're- like you see, like America, it's not everywhere, but it's it's in a lot of places. Like you see. Just just your identity as an American, your identity as an American almost supersedes your identity as a Christian. Yeah, wow. Um, and they're kind of one in the same. So as America loses its Christian identity, quote-unquote, um, Adventists and Christians in general start to feel like they're losing their relevancy. And that's sad to me because I don't think we were called to be Americans. I think we were called to be Christians first. Uh, our citizenship is in heaven, you know, all that good stuff from the Bible. Yeah, so yeah. that's neither here nor there. But yeah, patriotism uh, in in American culture, like it's so much more kind of hammered into us um, from the get-go. And history is very whitewashed. And I mean that literally and figuratively. <laughs> that's so funny because we, we don't get that at all here, yeah. really. I mean, on January 26th, 26th or 25th is Australia Day. I think it's 26th. Um, Australians will get patriotic, but the most patriotic your average Australian will get is barbecuing some lamb and um, playing some backyard cricket. That's that's about as Australian as you can get. Triple J is hottest one hundred. Oh, they don't do it on they don't do it on Australia Day anymore. But oh yeah, Triple J Triple J is hottest one hundred. Like it's like a really popular Australian radio station, and they only mm-hmm. they do this massive thing where they all the listeners all around Australia would all vote, and they have this huge one hundred countdown. And it it's, was just like, a, it's a huge tradition. It was in a Australia. landmark. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Everybody loves the Hottest 100. Wow. And then they'd release the album a couple of months later. It's, yeah. Yeah. That's as, stra- as Australian as you can get. And, and as far as Kiwi culture is concerned, I think it's pretty similar. Yeah. Um, you, don't see, you don't see like New Zealand flags at people's houses very much or anything. Yeah. Like you don't see that in Australia either. It's not very common just to see flags around other than in places where flags are supposed to be. Interestingly enough, though, the places where you do see Australian patriotism the, mu- the most is very similar to the ultra-conservative, um, deep south American um, patriotism, which is, I suppose, in some ways 
and you can correct me if if I'm wrong on this, is is also somewhat um, uh, associated with uh, the redneck stereotype in a way. Is that you are not wrong? Okay. Nope, you're not. So wrong. It, you're right on. In track. Australia, we have the same thing, except we call them bogans, <laughs> and uh, that is, uh, I would say, probably the most patriotic Australians also tend to be a little bit bogan. A little bit bogan. Oh, very bogan. Very bogan. <laughs> uh, I, well, yeah. so you've got. Like here's okay. Let me ask you this though: How do you guys celebrate, um, or 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 not even maybe celebrates a, a bad word? I don't know. How do you guys recognize like army veterans for you guys? Like like, do you do that at all in church? Oh uh, well, we have like Anzac Day, uh, Memorial Day. Um, those are two sort of big days in the Australia and New Zealand calendar. So um, Anzac Day really. It's about both the Australian and the New Zealand soldiers who fought yeah. together. So that's something we do across both countries, which is cool. And generally, churches like you, you generally your church service will have something to do with it. It's not some some churches do it more than others, depending on if they actually have people who are more influenced by it than others. But as far as okay. recognizing veterans in the church, it's nowhere near as controversial i suppose or i don't even know if controversial is the right word but there's no there's not as many hang-ups you know we we if somebody has fought in a war we kind of go cool respect but we don't sort of i don't know you're not going to give up your seat to somebody just because they're wearing a uniform or something like that but well see I, I find it inter- I just find it interesting for a denomination that has largely taken the role of pacifism and taken a, this kind of stance of pacifism in America, at least in my experience, we venerate venerate I, I use that word intentionally. Um, we kind of venerate our war veterans, and it's not like I mean any disrespect to war veterans or people who fought. I just it, it's a mixed message as a denomination. Mm-hmm. That's like to me what I've really struggled with, and it's mixed into our American identity. And so I was curious to know how much it it kind of uh, worked within your identity as Australians or as New Zealanders, you know, as Kiwis, um, and, and and so that it doesn't surprise me at least that there's some of that everywhere. Mm. The church really doesn't know how to handle that, and I don't know either. But it is an interesting kind of conflict or, or, or controversy that that is there, and it certainly is there. Like it it exists. It's just not taking the forefront because women's ordination is right now. The yeah. Yeah, yeah. I will say this about um, war though. Especially in Australia, um, when the Desmond Doss movie came out last year, they jumped on that like a, a fat kid. Oh yeah, yeah, like a fat kid yeah. on a cupcake shop, right? You know, they were just like all about the Desmond Doss movie. They just they smashed it hard out. They produced, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of um, av- advertising and um, evangelistic content related. All to try and get people into oh, yeah. the church, and it—I don't think it really worked. <laughs> no, it did not. Uh, no, it did not. <laughs> no, but I, I, I find it interesting that it was—it was that that you felt that as well. We definitely felt it here. But I actually didn't see the movie out of protest because I was so sick <laughs> of seeing the advertising for it everywhere. I couldn't escape it. It's a shame um, because it well, was actually a really it was good, good movie. Yeah, we watched it for a fundraiser for our Pathfinders, and it was probably a bit too much for Pathfinders to watch. It was pretty intense. I was like, man, we've got like... I was going to say, I've, 
I hear I hear most people talk about that movie kind of like The Passion of the Christ, where they're like, that was way bloodier than I expected. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It was way more violent than I thought it would be. Who knew that a, a movie literally about war and killing <laughs> would be so violent? I don't I just don't get yeah. it. That's a real shocker, is what it is. That's just completely unexpected. <laughs> so let me all right, let's switch gears here. I just you know, I want to talk about ministry with you guys and talk about what your experience has been like um as pastors so um let's kind of switch into that let me ask let, let me just do this um this really would have been a question for the beginning of the episode but i don't care so what <laughs> what made you guys decide into as, as individual what made you guys decide to go into ministry as pastors yeah well um my mom's a pastor so that probably helped the whole thing um <laughs> <laughs> that that has that has like one or one of two that only goes one of two ways yeah you either become one or you hate like the church altogether. yeah but my mom i don't know she was awesome she never it sounds weird that a pastor could even manage this but she never really forced anything upon us um you know from an early i, I in my teenage years we were well allowed to choose whether or not we wanted to go to church um and i i've left for ages and came back and just fell in love with the whole thing and set and I remember I went to a, a Hillsong conference in Australia and Sydney and um, that was the first time I really saw, I wasn't really going to church that much at the time, but I went there and I saw all these people just so excited about Jesus and just generally happy to be there at church, you know, and so many people involved and using all their different talents and gifts in all different ways. And I thought, wow, like if if this is what church could look like, I want to do this every day, all day for the rest of my life. Like, this is amazing. And so that for me was a huge moment. Those sort of two things were major factors. And yeah, I just said, God, you know, I'm just, whatever you put me in, I'll just say yes and do it. And now here we are in New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, God. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for real. Yeah. All right, and uh, Jesse, what about you? You know, I, I never wanted to be a pastor. Um, I was always kind of the... Uh, the good kid. I'm the eldest of four kids, so I was kind of playing parent part of the time growing up. And everybody used to tell me, you know, I'd be such a good pastor, yada, yada, yada. And that was because I suppose I had a an inch of responsibility and I worked well with kids and all that sort of stuff. And I always kind of rebelled against that because whilst I was always the good kid, I didn't like to be forced into doing things and I could be incredibly stubborn. So when I left high school, I worked for a little bit and I explored my options. I wanted to be a journalist. And then I changed from wanting to be a journalist to being a psychologist. And I never quite, I never quite melded with those two ideas. I liked them, but they never quite sat well. And it was like, it was like I was being haunted by a ghost or something like that because I could never get the idea of pastoral ministry out of my head. And it really bugged me and I really hated it. So I set a few fleeces before God and annoyingly he fulfilled all of them. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which yeah, <laughs> if something is going to um both irritate the heck out of you and also confirm that God is alive and um actively wants to work in our lives, then definitely do something like that. But just be prepared to live with the consequences if he decides to show up. Um, so I, yeah, I went to Avondale college and, uh, met this guy while we were studying. He was a year ahead of me. 
um, and went through it. And, you know, ever since then, I'll, I'll be honest, I've had my doubts about ministry, about whether I'm the right person to be in this role. Um, but God has continually taken me to places and put me in situations that have grown me and that have um, not reinforced how great Jesse is, but reinforced the fact that God does want to do something in and through me. So, yeah. And, you know, a little bit of how great Jesse is. Because Jesse's pretty good. <sighs> just a little bit. That's what the podcast is for. Just, no, just, yeah, that's, it's, just, it's just the Jesse. It's an hour with Jesse. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, I actually really identify with that. I don't think... I don't think enough people understand how how hard a lot of pastors and ministry leaders are on themselves. Oh yeah, and um, because like not only do we typically do and and please understand like I'm not trying to to say that we're like we have this victim complex, but we do largely do a thankless job. Like the reward that we see for a lot of the interactions we have will be in heaven, so we don't get a lot of immediate payoff here. And it's not like our literal paychecks are a big payoff. So it's it is. Like, it it can be very hard, and especially when you're put in churches that are not very, like, when you're starting out in ministry, which basically the three of us kind of are, we're at the very beginning of it, there's this clear, there's this clear path you get put on. Like, the first step for a pastor is to pastor a district. Then you move up, you become like an associate for a bigger church, and then you actually get the bigger church after your master's degree and your ordination, all that good stuff, Right. And usually what ends up happening is the smaller districts that are inactive or that are tough, that are lonely and isolating, those are, those are reserved for the lower, for, for us, while, you know, if you're a pastor and you've made it when you get a big church. And, and while I don't necessarily think that should be the case, um, like, I, I really hate, I, I, think the, I think it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, I think the reason that our districts aren't as active as they could be or aren't as great as they could be is because of the way that we view them. Yeah. Um, and go ahead. Yeah, I think Josh can speak to this really succinctly because that's Josh's literal situation right now. You've just made a transition this year from solo past, well, associate pastoring at a mid-sized church to doing that plus your current gig at Masterton. Yeah, yeah, I'm finding it like hugely difficult being between two churches. Like I just, yeah, I, I don't know. Like it's just you, you start doing something and then it it doesn't, quite go the way you want because all of a sudden the next two weeks you're not there and then you throw in yeah exactly throw in something like annual leave or me speaking you know i speak at different high schools and that sort of thing doing their weeks of worship and that kind of stuff throwing that sort of thing into the mix and rather than just being like it feels like a week impact it actually feels like it's like a month's impact um because you're away for one week in both churches so yeah it's and honestly, like my other church is an hour and a half away and sometimes it can be like me driving for an hour and a half thinking, oh man, what am I even doing right now? Like, <laughs> what, what is this? How do you make, how do we make anything happen? It's crazy. Do you, do you ever forget something and go, well, I guess I'm not bringing that with me. Like one of my churches is 30 minutes away and if I forget my keys, it's game over. I'm calling a member that lives near it and yeah. I'm not turning around for anything. <laughs> yes. Like it's the worst. I forget my keys um, all the time out there and I'm like, I'll remember about five minutes out of the town, like five minutes into the other town. So I've been driving yeah. for like an hour and 25 minutes. I'm like, well, I guess I'll just go and work at a cafe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I, I hate it. But you know, it, it, it can be very like passing a district can be very like handcuffing. 
um, and you feel really restrained. And as a result, like you don't feel like you're making an impact, which then reflects on like then makes you it, it's kind of the self-perpetuating cycle of like, I can't do anything. I'm not doing anything. And am I wasting my time? Is this really where I'm supposed to be? I don't see any change happening. Um, I feel anything I try to do fails because I'm not there. It's this it's this constant battle kind of against ourselves and and against our members to help them like understand sometimes you just can't do everything. Yeah, I totally yeah. I totally resonate with that with you. To use my church as an example, Mosaic, the the pastor who was here before that, he is now in a conference role, which says something about his gifting, right? He's a he's really gifted with administration. Uh, me on the other hand, nah. I just it's the part of my job that I despise the most. But because he used to do all of that admin stuff and do it so well, my church was just like, okay, here's all the stuff that you have to do. And mm. it's kind of assumed that I'm just going to do what the other guy did. And at, you know, at the moment, honestly, I'm really, really struggling with that because it is not my gifting. It is not what I am called to do, I believe, personally, in ministry. And so at the moment... I'm trying to delegate as much as possible whilst also realizing that my church has a regular attendance of about 40 to 50 people. So there are limited people and even limited, more limited people who are able and willing to do these things, which just have to be done. Um, so yeah, that it's a, it's an ongoing struggle for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you think? I mean, what do you think the, the what do you think the solution is? Do you think there is a solution to this kind of mess? Um, as in uh, district sort of things, like yeah, well, and and this kind of struggle against ourselves too, where where we we struggle to find our own place and our own calling and things like that. Like, what do you? I mean, how are you guys navigating that? Yeah, I think um, you know, I remember in um when I was studying ministry and one of the lecturers kept telling us, you know, you've got to work on whatever you like, you've got to know whatever your weaknesses are and make sure you work on those weaknesses. And over time I've come to realize, actually that's a huge waste of time. Like I'd rather just know what I'm really great at. Um, like what God's gifted me to do, given me the grace to do and play to the strength he's given me. It seems like it's easier for me and it's easier for those around me. I'm actually really fortunate. I, I married a woman who is like highly, highly organized, like to the point where I don't even understand how she does it. Like I'm so <laughs> lost. Um, you know, anyone who meets my wife is shocked at how clean our house is, how everything is just so in order. When my sister first came to our house and looked inside our like pantry where our food is, she just stood there for about three or four minutes just looking like everything is in a perfect place. And it makes so much sense, you know. It's just so I got really lucky, I guess, there because she helps me in my organization and helps me get better at that. That is something I need to work on. But I spend most of my time doing the things that I know that God's given me the gifting to do, and I feel a lot more fulfilled. I feel like I'm doing what He's called me to um, when I'm doing something that I'm really like I'm a bit more wired for. Like I love working with high schoolers. Um, that's something I really. I, it's not a part of my job because my job is between two churches, which is stupid, by the way. That Josh has this huge passion. Like Josh goes to high schools and primary schools. Like how many have you done just this year? Two or three? Uh, I think. Th- I can't remember. 
them. I know at least That's, two. I know at least two. At least year. two, maybe a third. And yet it's not part of his job. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like, I know it's a strength. So I make time and just say, hey, guys, I'll just tell my church I'm not going to be here for a week because I'm going to this primary school and the next one I'm going going to this high school. Um, Because it's just like I know that like God's wired me that way. So I'm going to make sure I keep doing it. Um, And I don't know. I guess when the church sees that, hey, our pastor isn't doing this stuff very well. Maybe, just maybe, God will inch the, like, you know, give him a prod and say, <laughs> maybe you should do something about it, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Like, if I let something fail because I'm not gifted in it and even if I try to do it, it doesn't come across that well, I don't know. Like, I'm just relying on Jesus to <laughs> work something out. <laughs> it sounds like such a cop-out <laughs> answer. But that's the thing, though. Like, that's what the church is supposed to be. It's all these people coming together. It's not one superstar and all these people gathering around the superstar. It's like we're all gathering around and just using our gifts. That's empowering, right? I don't know. That's how I think about it. Well, and that to me, like that's a strength of a district because the pastor isn't there. The members have to do more, Yeah. especially when the pastor isn't there every single week. Like I alternate. So on the weeks that I'm not at a church, like they've got to take care of everything. I'm not there. And if they call me, I'm in the middle of a church service at another church. Like they can't call me. So they've got to, they've got to step up. And so I do think actually that's a, that's a strength of district pastoring just in general. Yeah. Um, but that's, see, I'm jealous of you because you're married. I'm not. So, uh, both of you are married, yeah. right? Is that, actually, my, my, yeah, my wife is very similar to Josh's wife in that my wife actually, she's, uh, trained to be a teacher, primary school teacher, but she's currently working as a PA. So that says something about her gifting as well. So in the same way that Josh's wife, um, kicks him up the butt sometimes when it comes to organization, or maybe, maybe, maybe Danelle does it a little bit more kindly karina my wife doesn't do it as kindly sometimes but i love her anyway because she helped she helps me <laughs> let's pray that they never hear this episode. oh it's okay they so. don't listen to our podcast i don't think they'll listen to yours <laughs> <laughs> okay good then we're fine don't even, um, actually no that's not true that's not true karina my wife the only time she listens to burn the haystack is at night night time and it helps her to fall asleep no, I'll I'll be I'll be <laughs> doing something in this room, and I'll walk into the bedroom to go to bed, and she'll be fast asleep, and she'll be listening to Josh and I talk, and I'll be like, "Oh, I feel so bad about this." <laughs> it does not help my ego. I'm gonna start like towards the end of an episode, just yelling like, "Wake up, Karina!" And see if it does anything. <laughs> I kind of now want you to do that. I really. All right. Or like really quiet, like under all of your voices, put like some subliminal message <laughs> yeah. in. That's like, oh yeah, like like, we, like Karina make bad we, we could really get some good work done with our wives. That would be um, your wife. Oh, okay, that's true. <laughs> <You're> not, <laughs> Karina make make Josh's wife listen to this podcast. I <laughs> uh, love it. Love it. No, see, I'm not. I'm not married, so everything I have to do is kind of navigating on my own, which is why my bed is not made behind me, which is why my life is a total mess, and I have like six empty cups around me because I'm a full-on bachelor. That's not true. It's actually five empty cups. No, three empty cups. <laughs> I don't feel terrible. Right. Honestly, uh, look, I love uh, I love being organized because Karina does it, but a part of me misses that lifestyle as well. So once you once you're out of it, you you will miss it. Trust me. <laughs> I'll, I will keep that. Well, I I do like the fact that I can use all of my disposable income on me. Um, I very much enjoy that. Oh, yeah. And, like my free time is mine. But that's actually, so that's one thing that I found. And I don't know 
I don't know how you interacting with older pastors has has like come has has been impacted at all. But one of the things I found when I talk with older pastors is they see me like travel a lot. They see me have time to do two podcasts, three at one point. They see me have the time to play tennis, go mountain biking, do all these different things. They're like, "Man, are you even working?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I am." And they're like, "Well, then how do you have the time and the money to do all this?" And I'm like, "Because I'm not spending that time with family." I'm so sorry that your family is such a burden to you that you can't enjoy your life. Like, um, but they they legitimately get mad and accuse me of being irresponsible because of the time that I would be spending with a family, I'm able to just spend on myself. And they accuse me of not working. They accuse me of wasting money, which in some cases I definitely have. Um, they, um, but they accuse me of all these things. And I'm like, hold up. Like, <laughs> I'm just trying to live my life and figure out what to do because I don't have a family to pour into. Well. Um, but you guys are married, so you wouldn't have that kind of same accusation, but I'm curious, like, what has it been like getting along with older pastors and, and, and kind of colleagues? Yeah, I think it's different. We don't have kids. I mean, I, I have two cats, and that's more than enough for me, but I know it would be different if I had Amen. kids having time for hobbies and that sort of thing. But I remember we had a meeting a while ago with a bunch of the pastors from our region, and we're the two youngest. All the rest are, like, I think double our age, probably. Uh around there yeah yeah um, yeah yeah so Dang. yeah yeah and they did this thing where the leader asked okay guys why don't we just go around the circle and say what our favorite hobby is <laughs> like what are, what are the hobbies we like to do instantly josh and i were like uh oh yeah and everyone <laughs> they go around and we're like oh i used to love playing tennis but now i don't have the time because of ministry yes i used I'm to so busy <laughs> i used to love uh i don't know such golf, and such golf oh that yeah. one came up heaps but now you know just with ministry, I don't have time. And then it got to like me and Jesse and I'm like, I love playing video games. I love playing music. I love going for walks with my wife. I love going to the gym. You know what I mean? Like I'm very particular about my time. And my, I mean, my mum, she's a champion, but she, she, and she says it herself. She always worked crazy hours as a pastor. Um, and she was always like to me, like, if you ever go into ministry, don't, don't do this. Make sure you've got time for yourself. And so I've kept that to heart. Um, I make sure I have time to do the things that, I don't know, maybe they, maybe they are a waste of time, I don't know, but they make me feel good and make me feel recharged when I go back into doing ministry. I don't know. Yeah, I think, you know, especially for millennials and, and, and Gen Zs, there's this sentiment w- with my parents growing up that the things that I used to be into when I was a kid, you know, I used to love Lego. I still like Lego. It's still expensive for me to do what I really want with it, but Lego... Amen. Video games, um, all that sort of really super nerdy stuff, which I still love. My parents all always used to think, oh, he'll, he'll grow out of it. And I think there's this sentiment that it's like a lot of these things that, you know, we're into, they're childish or, you know, you only do them when you're a kid or a teenager. But Why hasn't he grown out of it? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, like I used to spend hours on YouTube, you know. I remember, I remember when YouTube um, first came out and everybody started watching these crazy viral videos and everybody was like, oh, these teenagers wasting hours. Meanwhile, you know, watching like 12 hour long cricket tests, you know, sort of thing, you know, it's just, so I think that there's a sentiment perhaps um, in the older generation of pastors that ministry is so important of a calling that you have to put in way above and you can't have any hobbies. You can't have any um, time off. And, I I don't know and I don't know this this might sound offensive but I find people who 
devote their entire life to ministry who are always on the road or they're always visiting or they're always doing ministry stuff. I don't know. I just find that kind of boring. I'm, I'm sorry. Like people who only have that one thing, they, they're, they're not multi-layered. They don't have the breadth and depth of um, knowledge and experience that comes with pursuing things outside of work. Um, and that, that yeah. doesn't just go for ministry, right? That's like, I think I, I would apply that to anybody who's in a job who works a 60-hour week and doesn't have any time for anything. I just find that so uninspiring and boring. Well, and it's, I mean, as far as ministry is concerned, it's idolatry. Yeah. Like in, in my mind, it's idolatry. It, it's seeing ministry as the king of this. Like there's this sentiment that you can't do ministry unless you're called. Like I, you know, if you, if you can do any other job, then you can't do, then you shouldn't be doing ministry. And I'm like, that's only because we've turned ministry into that. Yeah. Uh, Paul was a tent maker. Sorry. <laughs> like that's not, that, that's not a good argument for me mm. that, that, that ministry is supposed to be the totality of our lives. Uh, certainly every Christian does ministry in the way they interact with people and otherwise like, but it's something that's integrated into our lives. It's not something that takes over our lives. And that's, I think uh, the difference. And with, uh, with a lot of pastors, they see us and this kind of newer generation uh, that because of the failures of a lot of our parents who didn't have time for us, um, a lot come from a lot of broken homes. Like I can't think of a single person I know that doesn't have like a lot of family issues. Mm-hmm. Um, we we've we're trying to navigate this for ourselves and figure out what our lives look like, and we're we're making sacrifices in areas that older generations haven't and have refused to traditionally, and it's seen with a lot of distrust and skepticism, uh, which has meant that when I show up to pastors' meetings, oftentimes a lot of older pastors won't even like look my direction, or if they do look my direction, it's to make sure I'm playing the game right mm. instead of. Um, instead of to welcome me in. Mm. And I find it really interesting. You know, I, I taught at a high school for a year, and I remember it was the same high school I went to. And it was so interesting to me, and I'm really sorry if there's any of my former colleagues <laughs> or staff members that, that, like, that listen to this. But I find it really interesting that, um, like, when I was sitting in, in staff meetings pre-week, we, we all walked into the meeting rooms, and all the staff sat at the back. We would get on the bus to go on a field trip, and everyone went towards the back. But then, when I was a student, I remember like if I walked into a room for assembly or, or for class, they'd be like, "No, everyone needs to, you know, please move to the front." And and I and they became like their students. They became a lot wow. like um the the very people that they were trying to lead. I, heard, I watched them talk and be on their cell phones the entire time, mm-hmm. and that's something that's like forbidden in class and forbidden in assemblies. And yet during staff meetings, it was happening, and it was just. It was just a really interesting dynamic to watch um, take shape. Um, and when I walk into pastors' meetings, um, instead of we want we want our churches to be these welcoming communities, but then as pastors, we're not even welcoming to each other. Yeah, no. that oh, man that resonates resonates so much with me. <laughs> you know, but I see what I see a lot of the hap- a lot of the time, and this breaks my heart is a lot of these pastors who go into a church or a series of churches and they're idealistic. They may not even be that young. You know, I'm talking about the 30, 40-year-olds. And they sit in that church for a while and the church just kind of breaks them down and beats them up. And um, they're just getting by. And so what you end up with is a pastor who ends up not leading a church by being 
bossed and bullied around by that church. And then when you interact with them outside of that context, you go, who are you anymore? You know, you've changed because you've had to suffer so, through so much. And of course, not every church is, you know, a horror story. And that's, that's you know, not, not saying that about every Adventist church, obviously. But I, I, I still think that there's a, oh, it's, just, it's just so tragic and I just hate to see it, but it just happens so often. And, and we do it just so that everybody can be happy. We just want to make people happy. And so we end up becoming this shell and it almost end up selling ourselves out just so that everybody can get along. And that's just so sad. Hmm. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, um, I don't know. I found like it's it's interesting the difference um, even between like I went to a couple of, I, I mean, I was never employed in ministry when I was in Australia. I was always a volunteer. But I went to a couple of the ministers meetings over there and then went to, um, obviously I've been to a bunch here because I work in this conference now in New Zealand. But I found, I don't know, I found the, the pastors here, I think it's like the maybe the Polynesian, like Pacific Island mindset. There is just no, at least no like competition between any of us. Everybody, I don't know, when I, I remember when I first walked into my first one, they were like hugging me and, you know, introduced me to other pastors and all that sort of thing. And it was all, I don't know, like... If ever if somebody had a win in Australia, you'd see a lot of like tall poppy syndrome kind of thing. I don't know if you guys say that same term. Maybe it's anyway. Nope, never heard of that. Oh, in my so life. that's like a a poppy is a kind of flower, and if it grows tall, yeah. it's like this thing about all the other poppies want to cut it down. So we have that in Australia. We call it the tall, tall poppy syndrome, and as well here in New Zealand. Huh. So when something does something really great, everybody just starts targeting them and cutting them down. Um, so basically, like you, I would see that a lot in Australia. And like whenever a pastor was doing something good, all these other pastors would be like, oh, look at that. No, no, look, he's doing this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, this wrong. Whereas here, I have really not found that. Um, It's always been if somebody's doing something great, get them up on stage, celebrate, laugh with them, sing. Um, A lot of singing here. A lot of singing. (laughs) A lot of singing. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I, I do see often... I have different views on ministry than the older generation of pastors and definitely different views on like hours working and all that sort of thing. Like, um, because I guess the way I see it, I'm in it for the long run. Um, I don't plan on quitting. And so it's sort of like, I want to be in ministry till I retire. Whereas some of these guys are in their sixties. They're looking retirement down the barrel sort of thing. So they're just screw it, give it all. Like, let's just, 80-hour weeks, who cares? I'm only doing this for another two, three years anyway because that's all I've got left. So it's got to be a very different mindset. Um, but I've found at least here they're a lot more accommodating of me being a bit different. Even though we might see ministry a bit different, they've been they've been good to me. Um, yeah, but trying to... There are some conversations that I'm like, no, I don't want to talk about this because I already know what you think about it. I've heard what you think about it. I don't want to have the... You know, we see it differently. Yep. Let's not bother talking about it. We're not going to see it eye to eye. Let's just get in our own lane and run that lane and support each other as we run in our lane. I don't know. That's how I've seen it. I, I see I see kind of a mixture, actually. When a pastor is doing well, we'll put them on stage, we'll talk about it, we'll celebrate with them, but like as their like leadership will celebrate with them, mm-hmm. like conference leadership, but as they share with other pastors, other pastors will then tear them down yeah. on occasion. Like We'll look for, if a church is growing or a church plant is growing, we'll look at all the ways that we can be critical about it instead. Um, which can be really frustrating. Like I tend to do that too. I, I'm a critical person, unfortunately. So it it it's like in my blood, and I have to argue, I have to like fight with myself to keep from doing it. Yeah. Um, but let me. Okay. So now let's as we kind of 
are nearing the end of our, our time together. Um, I want to really end this on a positive note. So let's talk about something good. Like um, what are your favorite things about being in ministry? Like what, if, what, what really reminds you of like why you're doing this and, and, and gives you energy? I think one of the things for me is being able to see people grow and develop. Um, one of the, my biggest passions is in, in, in growing teams, um, being able to see people work well together and also being able to lend themselves to a greater cause. I think that's something which we've some, somehow lost in the church world. Like we see it. When you see somebody on the street um, advocating for Greenpeace or Asian Aid or, or World Vision, um, even though I cringe at um, people who try to stop you on the street to get you to donate to stuff, I still recognize the passion that drives them because a lot of them are volunteers. A lot of them are there because they believe in that cause, not necessarily because they're getting paid a lot of money to do it. And so in that sense, that's sort of what I want to see happen in the church. And it's something that I have seen in the church, but it's like when you get a glimpse of that, you kind of just want to go after it with everything that you've got. And because I've gotten a glimpse of that at some of the churches, I, one church in particular that I worked at that was just the most beautiful expression of community and of mission, I, I got that bug. It's like when you get the travel bug. You know, Once, you've, once yeah. you've got it, you've got it for life. And so for me, when I think about church and what church can be and what, what should be, I think about developing people's gifts and talents. I, I think of... Um, the ability for people to see who they are in Christ and to be able to grow into that um, and not, not just for themselves but to impact um, the people around them in a really positive way. And because I've seen that done so well, that's what I'm striving towards for myself and for my church. And we may not, we not, we may not be there yet. Uh, we may not be there 100% ever, but I'm still going to strive towards it for myself because once you've gotten a taste for that, once I got a taste for that, there's nothing else that I could really equate it to. That's, that's as good. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think for me, there's sort of two, um, like a big passion of mine the whole way through, uh, my journey with ministry and being in church has been music. I love worship music. I love leading worship in churches and doing all that sort of thing. Um, I don't get to do it as much nowadays being a pastor because often you're preaching and all that sort of thing. And my church is, they don't. <laughs> they have a different style of music to me, I guess. Um, a different expression of worship is a better way to say it. Um, but, you know, when I, whenever I get to do that, like part of the reason I love it is because I love um, equipping people to, um, to do what God's called them to do. When I see um, a musician and actually fitting them into a puzzle, like when I run music, often the, the band doesn't look, it's not a very generic band. It's sort of a bit creative because we just sort of learn to use who's around, how can we fit it together. And then when you see everybody working together and actually being like, wow, like I'm playing a banjo in worship and it sounds really good. You know what I mean? Or like that kind of thing. Or giving somebody a new tool, like a new sort of keyboard and they start playing it and like, oh, wow. And everybody's working together and everybody's worshiping. And any role, like you, you give somebody like, hey, why don't you design this presentation for us in the PowerPoint or whatever so it looks good or why don't you do this? Whenever I have a chance to equip someone um, to do what God's called them to do or some creative part of ministry, I absolutely like thrive on that when I see somebody get the chance to actually tap into what God's given them and make it work. Um, I love those moments. I love when I get to do that so much. Um, and the other, I guess, is when um, 
Yeah, and yes, there's a lot with teenagers when they like, you know, when the light a light bulb sort of moment for yes, them. Yes, the eureka, the eureka moment. moment. Yes. Um, I remember one of the most distinct one. I was like explaining, um, sort of holiness recently to a couple of girls, and explaining, you know, the whole thing about the veil being torn in the temple, and now that spirit lives in us. And I sort of explained it. I don't know. It was a real quick and simple explanation, but it was pretty like from the Old Testament right through to that moment and explaining why it's significant. And I could actually see the moment when I said, but now that Holy Spirit that was in there that you couldn't go into and couldn't like go behind the, the veil, now that is that same spirit that lives in you. And both of them were like, oh, like you could see, like it was like the how I met your mother sort of like shatter moment sort of thing, you know, and it was just. <laughs> wow. It was yeah. awesome, like just to say, I love seeing those sort of moments when somebody gets something. That's it. Bam. Absolutely. Yeah, you feel like you've done. I, at the risk of sounding cliche, like all three of those are the same for me. Like I love all of those moments and I, and I, and I caught it too. Like the beauty that takes place in community, mm. the eureka moment when someone gets it. And I, you really see that the most with youth, I think. Yeah. Um, and, um, and the idea of seeing someone grow and develop, like all of that is what inspires me and what motivates me. In fact, my ministry calling, like when people ask me, I think it's to equip and empower others to be the best disciples or to be all that God has called them to be. And so um, I'm totally with you on all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you guys so much for coming on Absurdity. I really appreciate it and uh, love talking about our cultural differences and then also just talking shop together and talking about ministry. Um, really appreciate it. You guys are welcome on any time literally like any time we can love you bro um, except for except for right after this because we just recorded for two hours and i'm exhausted yeah so and i need to eat dinner (laughs) (laughs) um uh so guys thank you again i really appreciate it and and best of luck to um to you guys on burn the haystack why don't you guys just take take a minute and uh let our uh, let the audience know how can they connect with you guys how can they find burn the haystack all that good stuff um, well, you can listen to Burn the Haystack on uh, whatever podcatching app that you like, um, whether it be Google, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, and now on Spotify. So um, you can look at, listen to them. You can connect with us on Facebook at uh, Josh and Jesse. Just look up Josh and Jesse and um, that our Facebook page is right there. We use it to advertise upcoming content and all that. Um, you can find me at Jesse Herford on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, and you can find me at jay stuthers on instagram oh no uh, on twitter and then i think i'm at captain yoshi with captain two yoshi. eyes on uh, on um instagram very uh, professional yeah i know nice. i know I, it's from a long time ago <laughs> <laughs> i just haven't got around to changing it um so yeah all good um yeah and all good i think well, that's yeah oh and yeah. if you type in if you just type in burn the haystack podcast into google like you'll yeah. find us ev- everywhere and yeah. even on Awesome. We don't have a website currently. One day we will, though, when we uh, decide to get professional like you. Maybe you'll have to help us, Ryan. I don't know. The websites are really not necessary for podcasting. Like that, you just need a host. Like no one, no one looks at my website, but that's fine. I'm still going to tell everyone to look at it. <laughs> in the post anyways, well, it'll be um, our secret. But uh, for listeners, I'll include links to all their social media and everything in the description, so you can easily just go and click it right then and there. Um, but thank you guys so much for listening to Absurdity. If you want, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or any other podcatching app. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback for the show, you can find me at Ryan180Becker on Twitter or Ryan180Becker at gmail.com. And if you want to support this podcast financially, you can head over to patreon.com 
slash absurdity podcast and you can donate financially as well that all the money goes back into making this podcast happen uh josh and jesse again thank you guys so much for being on this show i am so excited to continue collaborating with you and 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 i love what you guys are doing i burn the haystack and don't worry i've promised to you my reviews will come (laughs) i'm just lazy um but they will come so thank you guys and 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 be encouraged in what your guys doing be affirmed in it because it's amazing and i love it thanks ryan thank you Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.